Yo, 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 what up, what up? Welcome back to the Talk of My Shit podcast with your boy Too Skinny. Uh, man, I missed y'all like a motherfucker. I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in over a fucking month, which it kind of has been like that because I had three episodes with guests in a row, uh, which I mean, it's been like three fucking weeks, so... It's been, it literally has been like a month since we actually chopped it up like one-on-one. I was going to have another guest, but I was like, you know what? I feel like I need a week where I just talk to the people. I feel like the, the people might miss me. I don't know. Uh, now I'm just forcing feelings on y'all, but I, I definitely miss y'all. I feel like sometimes, because I told you guys, I treat this podcast almost like I treat... A ther- well, I don't take therapy sessions, but this is kind of like my therapy, you feel me? Like, just coming on here and being able to vent to y'all kind of keeps me sane also. So I've had three, you know, three different episodes where I've just had to kind of act professional and I've had to conduct interviews, which, you know what I'm saying? I'm not talking shit because they were all great episodes and I enjoyed every single one of them. But um, sometimes I'm like, damn, I just kind of want to vent. And I was what I was going to do at first... Um, I was just going to kind of record like a 30-minute episode or like a 20-minute episode and just kind of attach it to one of my guest episodes and kind of start the first 20 minutes of me just ranting and kind of giving you guys update on updates on what's been going on in my life and what's been going on in the world and then kind of do the second half of the podcast and let it be the interview. But I was like, you know what? I don't want to disrespect like any of the guests. You know, I'd hate to, I'd hate, I'd hate to have, you know, the homie JP or the homie YJ and they're like, oh, this is my interview with Too Skinny or whatever. And then they play it for the family and then it's just me complaining about my childhood for, for fucking 20 minutes, you feel me? So I was like, fuck that shit. Let me just... Let me just hold on to my feelings, and then once I do the solo episode, I can talk about everything I've been wanting to talk about. So, finally, we are back. Um, I know I'm a little bit late. I'll tell you guys exactly why. I got a little fucking sick um, on Sunday when I was supposed to record this, so I didn't. But I'm recording right now. It's actually the earliest I've ever recorded a podcast episode. It's May 10th, Mexican Mexican Mother's Day. So, go ahead, text your jefita right now. Tell her you love her. La amas, fool. On my soul. Some of you niggas, some of you bitches, really. Some of you bitches... You know what? And I didn't really even know how real this problem was until I got older. You know, I started, you know, seeing different families and shit like that. But a lot of you bitches be, oh, my mama taught me this. And on Twitter, talking about your mama and and how much you love her. And some of you bitches only be loving your mama on the internet. And niggas, too. Some of you niggas only love your mama on the internet because y'all be treating your moms like shit in real life. Y'all be using your moms. Y'all be taking money from your moms. You don't even be helping your moms out, bitch. If you live at home with your mom, nigga, stop talking about how your mom don't care about your depression and get the fuck up out your room and clean up the house a little bit, bitch. Then maybe she care a little bit about your depression, bitch. You lazy as fuck. Now I'm just It's because, Ken, you don't know what it feels like. Shut the fuck up, bitch. Now I'm just <laughs> I'm talking shit, man. Shout out to all the jefitas, man. Shout out to all the mothers, man. Shout out to my mama, man. I love her. <clears throat> God damn. But anyway, so I wanted to uh I wanted to kind of one-on-one thank my my guest that I've had on uh this previous uh this previous month. So number one, shout out to Carla Huerta. She uh she came on here, owner of Sweet Hustle LLC. She talked about her crazy story, man, and uh yeah, man, she fucking killed it. She fucking <laughs> she fucking snapped, bro. So uh it was it was it was a pleasure having her on the podcast, man, and uh 
And, and yeah, so uh, after that, I had on YJ. YJ, you know, everybody's seen him on TikTok and uh, sometimes on Facebook as well. And dude, when I had YJ on, so many people hit me up. Like, I didn't know a lot of y'all did not like this nigga. Like, I, I thought he was like a cool ass dude. You feel me? But I had so many niggas were like, "Oh man, why you, why you put this nigga on?" And ooh, ooh, I had, I had this one nigga hit me up. He was like, "Bro, this nigga owe me a dub." That nigga ran off with a twenty sack. I'm like, nigga, at that, nigga, at that point, who, why is you even fronting? A nigga 20 sacks, you feel me? Because if you front me a 20 sack, that's going to be the last time you see me, nigga. I'm gone, nigga. Fuck is you talking about, nigga? Like, honestly, like, you think if I'm going to go through the embarrassment of asking you to front me a 20, I'm going to come back and pay you, nigga? I'm gone, nigga. Fuck is you... Honestly, if he ran off with a 20 sack from you, it says more about you than it does say about him, nigga. Fuck is you bagging up 20s for... You think I'm going to bag up a 20 and walk outside? I don't give a fuck of a 20 of what, nigga? I'm not bagging shit up for 20 bucks and walking outside and serving a nigga. And then letting that nigga take a front at that, you feel me? Get the fuck out of here, boy. You got to be fucked up. And uh, But anyway, shout out to YJ. He's actually collaborating with a whole bunch of different TikTok TikTokers now. He just collaborated with Chris Dolo. Everybody knows who that is. I mean, if you got TikTok and you live in the Chicagoland area, it's the guy that does all the food reviews. He's like, I don't even know how his shit go, but I, I know you've seen him, so... They're, they they've been doing collaborations. They actually dropped a pretty funny video where uh why, where they, where Chris Dolo calls out YJ from saying for uh you know he's like what part of Chicago are you from and YJ's like I'm from Aurora, so I don't know. I feel like that was pretty funny because everybody does comment on his videos on YJ's videos. They're like, ah, oh, you're not from Chicago, you're from Aurora or whatever. Or, or they or they make fun of how he pronounces Illinois, which they kind of made a you know, made a TikTok about that. You know, it's like embrace what the haters are saying and make content out of it. You feel me? I feel like, I feel like, you know, you live in a day and age where you can either fucking, um, you know, you can either benefit from, from all this traffic in your, in your page and you can take all the hate and turn it into content. Look at, uh, there's that one TikToker, TikToker. I don't know if you guys have ever run across his page. He's got an Android. So his TikToks are kind of hard to watch, but, but his name is Lalo Gone Brazy. Um, he's, he's like this dark ass paisa from, uh, he's like a Mexican, but he's not like a paisa. He's like a, he's like a hood nigga for sure from Arizona, but he's, uh, and, and he's kind of like home or he was homeless, but, but, but he just kind of, he gets on TikTok and he kind of just like talks shit and people comment and they're like, they call him Nalgon, they call him Gummy Bear. They, they be like, oh, can you make those cheeks clap and just calling him all kinds of gay shit. And this nigga reacts to every single comment. And he's like, I'm not your Nalgon. I'm not your, I'm not your Gummy Bear. And he just literally, like, at first I was like, damn, this nigga's really getting mad because people are fucking with him. But then I realized this nigga's acting this nigga's not really mad but he knows that when he reacts to these comments and 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 he's fucking you know he, he pretends to be mad he knows that that shit's gonna pick up the most traffic he knows that that shit's gonna hit the algorithm and he knows it's gonna get him more followers and then they go fucking now the nigga got over a million i don't know how many millions of followers he has and then he goes on fucking tiktok live and he stays on live for hours you know and he's talking to the people and, and he's answering questions people send donations niggas really make money like that you feel me just staying on fucking tiktok live all day and shit so so i ain't, I ain't knocking their hustle you know what i'm saying get, get do what you do you feel me and then anyway so on just a fun fact that day that I recorded YJ's episode I had also scheduled JP's episode and I didn't want to fucking 
I didn't want to cancel on anybody because I was like, I respect them both. I, I want to do both podcasts. I was just nervous at myself because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk, you know, for two different, uh, two, two different podcasts, two different, completely different people. Like it was two different, completely different interviews, you know? But I was like, you know what? Like I'm trying to be on some Joe Rogan shit. I'm trying to, you know, if I'm going to do this professionally, I got to be able to do it on the spot, no matter how long I have to record, no matter, you know, you know what I'm saying? I got to, I got to really do it. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to knock them both out in one day. So I told YJ come at seven 30 nigga. And then I told JP come at nine 30. And sure enough, you know, they were luckily they were both on time. We knocked them. We knocked out YJs. And then I ain't gonna lie to you guys. YJ, when he showed up to my spot, bro, he showed up with hella energy, and he was telling me all kinds of crazy stories. And uh, he, there's a there's a there's a story that we kind of talked about a little bit on the podcast where I talk about um, where I talk about uh, how he had just got arrested because he literally came to my house fresh out of jail. And I was like, well, what? And before we started recording, I was like, well, what happened? And I, I fucked up because he thought we were already recording because I already had the mic in his face and I just hadn't pressed record yet. But he starts telling me the story and I'm telling you, the story was fucking great, bro. It was good as fuck, but he gave me all the details and all kinds of shit, right? But then when I let him know I wasn't recording and I actually started recording, we kind of started off the interview a little bit different. And then when we finally got to that story, I thought he was going to say it, you know, with the same details and with the same energy. But by that time, you know, he realized that it was still an open case and he kind of didn't want to release too many details after that. So it kind of bummed me out a little bit because I thought, damn, I was like, man, that story was really fucking good. But anyway, he beat the shit out of his uncle. I hope they don't use this in court, nigga. But but it was it was, it was was a good-ass fight is what it sounds like. And then uh, anyway, he ended up leaving out of here and... Uh, then JP showed up around 9.30, and I ain't gonna lie, when he showed, I had never met either of these guys, so when I met JP, I was like, what's up, dog? You know, I had a completely, I had a completely different picture of who this guy was in my head, like, of what his attitude would be like. For some reason, I thought he was gonna be like a, a very outgoing, very outspoken, very loud type of individual, just from, just judging him from looking at how he looks in his pictures, I was like, oh, this is kind of look like a hood nigga, he like to fucking, he like, he like to fuck around, maybe we'll drink a few beers, maybe I will do a few bumps, you feel me, I don't know, but anyway, when the guy shows up, and uh, we, we, sp we speak for the first time in person, you know, he's coming in through my back door, and I realize this guy's very, very soft-spoken, you know, like, he, he doesn't speak at a high volume, his energy is nowhere near YJ's energy, or my energy at that, um, so I was like, I don't know, I don't know how this is gonna play out right so i'm kind of trying to break the ice i'm like do you want a beer bro i'll get you i had bought I, I i'm i was sober and at that point and at that point i had not drank yet and i was like do you want a beer bro and because i had bought a 12 pack I, I gave a few to yj and i was going to give a few to jp and i feel like that would have been a decent you know i, I feel like that a 12 pack would have been enough yj only had like two beers and then jp i gave him a beer and he didn't never even drank it throughout the whole fucking episode so the beers that didn't even get drunk bro but anyway me and JP started recording, and um, I don't know something. I don't know what it was because me and him were so different. But once we pressed record, it was like the complete opposite of what me and YJ did. Me and YJ were having such a genuine conversation off mic. And then once we recorded, it kind of felt a little bit more kind of forced. And I, like I said, I'm not too I'm not too fucking cocky or I'm not too too good to, to know when my shit, you know, could have gone better. I'll admit it. I'll let you know. I know that I felt like that interview could have gone a little bit better and it's completely my fault you feel me I could have you know it, it's up to me if it's my show it's up to me to bring the energy up and kind of make sure that the guest answers the questions you know 
you know, ask the question where he can answer it in an entertaining way. You feel me? But anyway, um, I don't know what happened with me and JP, but as soon as I press record, he just, me and him just completely flowed. The interview, which I thought was going to be like 30 minutes when he showed up, ended up being over an hour. You know, I think it was like an hour and I don't even know. I think it was way longer than any other episode I did, you know, longer than Carla's episode, longer than, uh, than YJ's episode, but it was just such a good episode. Like he was just such a, such a, you know, it was just such a fucking great guest. I feel like, and, uh, again, shout out to all the guests I had, but, but that one, you know, it was just one of my favorites. And I also, you know what it was? I think I feel like not to give, not to suck my own dick, but I feel like just after like interviewing two people back to back, you're, you're kind of like, I don't know. It make, obviously practice makes make makes you better, right? So I feel like okay, you know what? I, I'm kind of starting to get the hang of it, and that's why I got. I actually wanted to have a different guest because obviously when you have guests on the podcast, you know they tell their friends, you know, hey, I just got on this podcast, listen to it, and it might be a motherfucker that never heard of me. It might be a motherfucker or, or a motherfucker that that has heard of me, but they were like, you know what? Ah, he hasn't really. You know, it hasn't really got my attention enough to where I'm going to go listen to this nigga's podcast. So you know, maybe having different people, having people from different side of town, specifically like niggas from the West side, they bring different ears. So I kind of want to, you know, have different guests who bring in different people. Cause then those people, like I've had people tell me like, dude, you know, you have my homie on and I was listening and now I can't stop listening. Now I listen to all your episodes, not only his episode or whatever, you know? So that's what I want. But with this week, I was like, you know what? I feel like so much shit has happened like outside of fucking, in the real world that I want to kind of use this episode to kind of be a solo episode, talk about everything. And also, cause I use the podcast as like a fucking therapy session for myself. You feel me? Sometimes we're just coming on here venting and talking to y'all, even though there's nobody in here with me in this fucking room right now, just me talking into this mic kind of feels like I'm relieving stress. Cause I'm it's still coming out of my body. Like all this energy is leaving my body, even though it's kind of hitting the walls in my room and not, anybody's listening just yet once i upload it you know you guys are gonna be right there with me or whatever but anyway so um there yeah again there's been so much shit that's been going on so i'm just gonna i got i actually got a fucking book of notes that i've been literally writing up and and waiting waiting just for this episode to kind of uh to put it out and it's early as fuck like i said it's 9 a.m so i got a fucking starbucks coffee i used to like starbucks better when when they left the fucking straw in the cup, you feel me? When they put the, the straws in the fucking bag, like these fucking new lids, the ones that it feels like I'm sipping out of a fucking sippy cup, like a fucking baby and shit. And then on top of that, I don't know how the fuck they do it. Like the hole is small as fuck on the lid, but somehow when you sip your iced coffee, ice manages to come out of the fucking lid. Now I'm choking on ice and shit, nigga. How the fuck do the ice even fit through that little ass hole? But anyway... Now, enough about that shit. Um, so I'm going to start this podcast off a little bit, not political, but a little bit on a serious note. I promise I'm going to try to throw in jokes and shit like that, but I'm just kind of going over going, going over everything like in a chronological order as as I kind of took put it in my notes and shit. So obviously, one of the biggest things that I wanted to talk about was Roe versus Wade. Um, as you guys may know, and if you guys don't know, there was a huge... Um, a leak that came from the Supreme Court. Somebody, so the Supreme Court it looks like they were basically typing up drafts and basically heading towards turning over Roe versus Wade, which is the federal law that protects women's rights and 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 and, and allows women's 
across the country to get abortions, um, you know, and, 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 and now it looks like this law is going to be overturned and they want to give the power to the states. So the states vote for, you know, um, you know, whether they want to have abortion in that state or not have abortion in that state. Now that may seem, it may sound easy to y'all. It may sound, oh, okay, that's good. Then that's fine. Then we rather vote for it in the state. But it's not because, as you guys know, there is fucking red states that are ran by shitheads like Texas with their piece of shit governor. I don't even remember that guy's name. The governor of Texas is a fucking crazy motherfucker. He's the one that he's the one that wants to take all the he's the one. I guess that Trump was going to build the wall, you know, in, in the border of Mexico. And they had actually bought like like beams of steel and they already had like material on the floor ready to build this bigger wall or whatever and then obviously you know once Trump got out of office all this production stopped and and Biden put a halt to everything so i guess the governor of Texas he's saying that he wants to put the fence up he's going to pay for it he 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 wants to line up cars to block the border just some crazy motherfucker and then you got people all the way up in all the way down in Florida like the Santas DeSantis or whatever the fuck they call that these nuts nigga that that guy's a fucking he's just like a a less crazy Trump but he's and i feel like that's going to be watched remember remember this in a year or two from now when 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 the next presidential election is is happening Trump is not the one that's going to be running it's going to be this guy DeSantis from Florida he hasn't announced that he's going to be running yet but everything points that he's going to be the Republican pick to be running for president and he's just like Trump like he thinks just like Trump but he's he's actually a politician so he knows how to like hide it and he knows how to say things where where the racist people will support him but he doesn't seem as crazy or as dumb so the news can't really run with the narrative of this guy's a fucking retard like they did with Trump so you guys got to really be careful with that motherfucker man but anyway um so anyway so this this kind of you know kind of created chaos everywhere as soon as this leak came because there's these red states that are going to make abortion illegal and when you and when you do that that kind of fucks everything up because i mean and there's actually and i can't believe it but there's actually women because of their religion or whatever fucking bullshit they believe in that they believe that abortion is not right and they are going to vote for people not to get an abortion which is fucking ridiculous to me because if if you even if you are a woman and you're against abortion, then don't fucking get one. You know what I'm saying? That's all you got is not fucking get one. Don't fucking get one. If that's against your beliefs, then okay, fuck it. If you want to go to this made up heaven or whatever the fuck you want to do, and you feel like having an abortion is going to keep you from getting there, then don't do it. So that way you can go to heaven. You feel me? But don't come in here and fucking cock block or not cock block, but but you feel me abort block the women that do want to get abortions or that have to get abortions, you know, cause, cause there's, you know, you don't know what these women go through. Um, you know, there's people who are victims of rape. There's people who are victims of other stuff and people who are not financially ready to have a family who can't afford to have a baby at this, you know, given time. And, and I mean, honestly, these are all, you know, great, I feel like excuses to get an abortion. You don't need an excuse. Just you being a woman should give you the authority and power to either have or not have the kid. You could have a perfect fucking life. You can have all the money in the world. But if you don't want that fucking kid, you should be able to say, fuck this kid. 
Get get them the fuck out of me. You feel me? Because you you shouldn't have to be forced to have a kid because a bitch thinks that you're not gonna go to heaven because you killed that motherfucker. Fuck that kid, nigga. People ask me if I'm pro abortion, nigga. I just watched the Jackie Robinson movie on Netflix. Nigga, if you pitch a fetus to me, I will hit the fucking fetus out of the park, nigga, like with a baseball bat. Mink, nigga, I will ding that bitch a whole home run with that fetus, nigga. Fuck them kids. I swear to God. I don't, man, I don't give a shit about no, uh, no unborn baby. And, and that's the thing, right? All these Republicans, all these people that are pro-life and are anti-abortion, they, they always, they talk, they, they love to talk about how, oh, well, we need to care about the unborn babies and we need to, we need to do this for the unborn baby. But it's just like George Carlin said, George Carlin said, these motherfuckers only give a shit about you until you're born. Because the day that you're born, the day that you come out of that womb, they do not give a fuck about you, bro. They don't give a single fuck about you. And that's 100% true. I had a fucking, I had an aunt, bro. I had an aunt that, um, my my aunt, she fucking, uh, she fucking, uh, she, she didn't, I don't know, she didn't have an abortion. Well, I don't know, she probably did have an abortion, but I don't know. But anyway, my, and my aunt, she had, um, I don't want to say no names because I don't know if they listen to this or not, but. And I want to put their business out there. But my aunt, she had four kids. My aunt had two of my cousins. They're both girls. One of them, one of them's like, I mean, they're all old. Now one was like 21. The other one's like 18. And then she had two twins that are now like 14 and 14 or some shit like that. Right. But, 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 but when they were all younger, um, two of my cousins were like four, four and five. And then the twins were like, were, were newborns you feel me and my uncle who was their father he had he got into some some uh, this is just an example right but he had got into some criminal trouble or he had got into some legal trouble and he ended up point is he ended up getting deported he ended up getting deported he got sent back to mexico and my aunt was left alone here you know she was left alone here with her two newborn twin babies and with uh with with the kids that are four and five years old and she was trying to apply for government assistance trying to apply for you know these this is somebody who actually needs welfare somebody who needs the, the you know what i'm saying a hand and she got denied you know i don't know why the fuck they denied her but they they fucking denied her so it's like why the fuck are you what, what's the point of you forcing people to have kids you know making them making them uh you know what i'm saying give birth and then once they need help you don't want to help out nigga you know what I'm saying? And, and George Carlin goes even as far to say that the government only gives a shit. You know, they don't give a shit once you're born until you're 18 again. And once you're 18, and when, once you can join the military, now the government gives a shit again about you. You know, now it's everything they've been looking for and all kinds of shit, which is 100% true. You feel me? I uh, I don't know, right? I don't know if it's a big conspiracy on the Republican end that they don't want to have, they don't want to let people have abortions just so just so they could join the military. Obviously, that's a fucking stretch. But but just just the fact that a nigga in a suit, a white old man in a suit, has the power, you know, to, to say whether whether a person, a woman can have an abortion or not is still, it baffles me, you know what I'm saying? Like, like nigga, if you don't want to have ki- kids, get your fucking balls clipped, you feel me? Like, I don't know, I don't know. Man, people, and, and, and I feel like a lot of you niggas, don't even be talking about this shit enough because y'all don't give a shit because y'all a lot of you niggas get a bitch pregnant and then just bounce you feel me yeah yeah i don't i i feel like everybody should be concerned about this because a woman is not the only person who benefits from an abortion it's also you feel me um 
shit, niggas too. Nigga, because a lot of you niggas cannot afford kids. There's a lot of you niggas with kids that can't afford kids, you feel me? And uh, and I, not only that, I'm, I don't even mean to, to hype up abortion or anything like that because there's obviously women that go through an abortion that, you know what I'm saying, maybe wanted to keep the baby, but that was the best decision at the time. And, and they go through emotional distress, you know, traumatic experience, you know. Sometimes there's females that get an abortion and they have to live with that guilt. Sometimes they take their own life, you feel me? Like, I, I again, I, this is a comedy podcast, but, man, this is these are real issues, you feel me? And I feel like if I have the platform, because I know it's a lot of ignorant niggas that listen to this, no offense, you feel me, but I'm just keeping it 100. A lot of niggas that, that don't really educate themselves in this type of shit, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm the nigga that know it all, but I like to know a little bit of everything, you feel me? So I feel like you niggas need to wake up, and when they come time to vote, if this shit do ever hit the fan, if, this, if, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, and then it comes down to the state, you niggas better vote you feel me you niggas better vote because uh you never know who's gonna be next right you never know if if it's gonna be your sister that's gonna need an abortion and then she's not gonna be able to now she's got a fucking you know people you people you gotta do it you gotta push her down a fucking flight of stairs nigga what if you kill her you feel me like it's just so many ways that this can go south that it, it baffles me that people conservatives thinks that thinks that this is a W, you feel me? Like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But anyway, I don't, I'm not going to get too too much into that shit anymore because I feel like um, I'm not going to bore y'all to death, but just keep your eyes open, no pun intended. Another thing that happened this this uh, this past weekend, I, I, this one was killing me, bro. I wanted to talk about this for a minute, dog, but uh, but but again, I, I just couldn't because I, I was going to drop a bonus episode. Um, but again, I didn't want to take any marketing and I didn't want to take any spotlight from from the people that I had on previously. So I don't want to, you know, I wanted everybody to get their week, you know, and, and be able to promote and and whatever. But so anyway, I, I was waiting. I was waiting all the way until now to talk about this. But Dave Chappelle. So Dave Chappelle got his ass tackled on stage. They're doing this festival in L.A. called Netflix is a Joke, which basically Netflix rents out. I mean, this is, I mean, obviously, I'm pretty sure they were putting this shit together for like at least two years. But basically, Netflix rents out um, some of the biggest venues and smallest venues all over L.A. It's for like a week long and they just have comedy shows all fucking week. It's it's a festival. It's like a it's like a Coachella, but for comedy. You know, they had Bill Burr did the Forum, which is you know the original Lakers where the Lakers used to play at before they moved to the Staples Center. Um, Dave Chappelle was obviously at the Hollywood Bowl, which is one of the most iconic venues in you know in Hollywood. It's literally right in between the hills. Just I love those outdoor amphitheaters that are just like in the middle of like a uh, 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 fucking mountains. You know, they have one. They also have the one in uh, in Red Rocks, the, the the Colorado venue is also very beautiful, just in the middle of a whole bunch of mountains and rocks. And then, um, you know, Burt Kreischer was obviously at the Greek Theater, which is also another outdoor amphitheater in the middle of like mountains and and just these um, massive venues. And they're also they also went to smaller venues like the Improv and. I think Laugh Factory also, Laugh Factory in Hollywood also had a, their own Netflix is a joke show. Like everybody, the point is they were all over LA. Just the biggest, I mean, I, I literally made it a goal of mine to be on the Netflix is a joke uh, festival in the next few years, hopefully. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're uh, you know, they've been doing this, this all week and I'll oh, actually a quick shout out to 
Gabriel Iglesias, Fluffy. Obviously, everybody fucking knows Fluffy. Um, he did the Dodger Stadium. The Dodger Stadium, first time ever done by a stand-up comedian, and it was a Latino comedian at that, a fat one at that, nigga. Shout out to all the fat niggas getting, do, doing it big and shit. So Gabriel Iglesias sold out the Dodger Stadium, bro, which is, I mean, a huge accomplishment, not only for Latinos, but for comedians all over the world, man. And it was, I was just so happy to see that for him, you know? It's like, damn, that motherfucker really came a long way, man. But anyway, shout out to him. But anyway, back to Dave Chappelle. So Dave Chappelle was doing his show, I believe that one was on Thursday night in Hollywood at the Hollywood Bowl. And some dude just happened to run, because, you know, comedy shows are not like concerts. You go to a fucking concert, they're going to have... A basically a barricade of security between the people and the stage, you know? They're not going to let anybody try to jump up and get on stage, which is very more... It's, it's much more common for it to happen at a concert because the energy is so high. A nigga might get to jump in. You know, you might get hyped up. Maybe you hear your song playing. You already off the molly, nigga. And, and you might jump on stage and maybe you're not going to tackle a nigga, but you might be... You know, I've seen him multiple times. Almost every concert I go to, it's a nigga that get on stage and then he get tackled by security, you know. But at a comedy show, security's not thinking that a nigga gonna run on stage, you know. It's just, that's not the... Even though Will Smith did smack the shit out of Chris Rock, it's still not the normal. Like, it's still not... You feel me? It's not common, especially at a venue that big. You don't think... I don't know. I feel like it was unexpected. It was uncalled for. It was... It was, I don't know, like, literally nobody knew it was happening until it happened. And you could even watch the video. The guy, I don't know where just, it's, it looks like he takes a leap from wherever the fuck he was at to to the to, to the right in the front of the stage. And then he just jumps on stage. Like, and, and Dave Chappelle wasn't even looking right at him. So he if he would have caught him, like, kind of running towards him, he would have been able to kind of, like, either run away from him or... Or, or, or get far enough to where security would have got him first. But Dave Chappelle was looking the other way. Like, literally was like, it was like that fucking, you're, you guys remember when Edge used to spear motherfuckers in, um, in WWF or WWE or whatever, just waiting for a nigga to turn around. As soon as a nigga turned around, boom, nigga just speared the shit out of him. And that's, that's what I feel like, uh, that's what it felt like. Uh, it felt like, dog. Like, he just basically speared the shit out of, uh, speared the shit out of Dave Chappelle. And then after, soon, soon as soon as the dude hit the floor, everybody's like, oh, shit, what the fuck? They had security come from backstage, front of the stage. Obviously, since it's in L.A., there's a lot of celebrities in the building, whether it's in the front row or backstage. So they had people like Jamie Foxx, Chris Rock, Busta Rhymes, Jon Stewart, literally all kinds of A-list celebrities that that basically jumped on stage, were trying to help this dude out, Dave Chappelle out, and then they take the guy to the, the, the guy actually runs to the back, which probably was his biggest fucking mistake, because now you're backstage, now there's no cameras, now niggas are gonna do whatever the fuck they wanna do to you, and that's exactly what happened, the next time that he was seen was on a fucking gurney, about to get put into the ambulance, and his hand, his, nigga, his hand looked like a swastika, his hand looked like a swastika, literally, like, one of his hands, nigga, like, his, they bent his shit into a square, boy, that shit was fucked up, and the dude, I don't know, at first, yeah, it, it, I don't know, it was crazy, it, it was just, you know, like, I, had, I, when I heard the news, I was like, what, like, Dave Chappelle, like, the biggest comedian in the world, you feel me, like, I, I get, like, a, I get, like, because at a comedy club, 
there's no security for comedians. You feel me? Like you go to a place like the Comedy Shrine or the Laugh. Well, the Laugh Factory. I ain't gonna lie. The Laugh Factory had security the last time I was there. But, but there's a few different clubs where you go to. There's no security, nigga. Like if a nigga wanna run up on stage and fuck you up, you about to get fucked up unless you can fight. You feel me? So, um, yeah. So for 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 them to for them to get to Dave Chappelle, I was like, damn, they fucked that nigga up. Like. Like, I, I don't know, bro. It was just, I don't know. People were asking me, like, how do you feel? Do you feel, like, scared? Like, I'm no, nigga. I'm fucking 400 pounds. Fuck, I'm scared of, nigga. If a nigga run on stage, nigga, I wish a nigga would run on stage, bro. I wish a nigga would. Nigga, I will, bro, I will break the mic on a nigga's fucking head, nigga. All you're going to hear is mink, nigga. It, nigga, it's not even going, nigga, on my soul. I'm, bro, I will knock a nigga. Bro, I will grab the mic with the cable and turn that motherfucker in the air like a fucking lasso nigga and I'll put that bitch around a nigga neck boy fuck it just... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding but that's not gonna happen to me bro fuck out of here nigga like unless I'm not looking and I say some fuck but also I don't make that type of comedy you know I don't I don't do jokes that may have a nigga trying to come on stage and fuck me up you feel me I don't I don't write like that I don't I don't write offensive jokes. I feel like maybe if somebody listens to a podcast and then they hear a few of the things that I said, like, if, for example, if, if like, that, that guy's family that Carla killed listened to my podcast and they're like, these niggas are making content out of my father's death. <laughs> then he shows up to one of my shows and throw it runs up on me, then I get it. You feel me? But, but just off my jokes, I feel like, I feel like they're, I don't know, my, my jokes are not that offensive that I feel like a nigga will run up on me. But anyway, that that happened, you know, so that was, I was, I was dying to talk about that for a while. And just most recently, this actually happened yesterday, so I'm glad that I waited this long to record this episode. There's been rappers going to jail left and right, which we'll talk about. But the newest case is Young Thug and Gunna. Young Thug, and, then this, and, and the reason this is so big is because, number one, they're not only rappers but they are actually some of the hottest rappers in the game right now i'm talking about mainstream level rappers getting corporate bags not just like a up-and-coming niggas young thug is one of the biggest a-list celebrities in the country right now i don't give a shit whether you listen to his music or not whether you think he dresses gay or not he is one of the biggest most influential people in music right now and he is father to if probably your favorite rapper if you're a uzi a gunna any type of, you know, slime, slat, ooh, any type of that type of rapper, any, you know, Lil Keed, any of that shit, Young Thug is his dad, is his dad. Young Thug sunned a lot of these new sound rappers, bro. Whether you like it or not, he is extremely influential. I feel like he's almost as influential as Lil Wayne was at one point. Like, he, he for the new wave, you feel me? Like, Young Thug was the first nigga to come out here, start wearing skinny ass jeans, like real skinny jeans. He was wearing dresses, painting his nails. And at first it seemed like it was like um, for attention, you know, it was him trying to go viral. But as he got richer, he's always, you can literally, he's always been flamboyant. He's always been wearing weird shit. He's a nigga rocking purses. He's painting his nails. That was just his style, right? But don't let that shit fool you because this motherfucker, it seems like he was really with the shits. And I had heard this multiple times. Like, I try to keep up with the culture and I try to watch. I watch a lot of those YouTube videos that kind of break down beefs and, and kind of break down, you know, a rapper's beginnings and shit like that. I like, I like to do my homework, you feel me? And it's been it had been said that Young Thug 
you know, and, and his Atlanta homies and all that. Like, they was really about that shit, you know? Like, Young Thug was really involved in the streets, like, like, like that, for real. Like that, for real, you feel me? And um, anyway, so just recently they got charged with the Rico case in Atlanta or, or in Georgia, you know, where they're from. And I just want to be very clear with this because I feel like people kind of ran off with this um, a little bit. Uh, a little bit more than than what they should have because there is a difference between a federal RICO charge and a state RICO charge. Not every state has a RICO charge, but in Atlanta, because of because of people like Big Meech, because of the because it being such a huge hub city for cocaine that comes straight from Mexico and all kinds of drugs that come straight from Mexico, Atlanta is like one of the first stops they make. So it is, and it's also huge for sex trafficking. Like Atlanta is just like a melting pot of crime, you know, and it has a lot of talent, a lot of music, a lot of industry shit happens. Like if you've been to Atlanta, you know it's like L.A. but for the hip-hop culture, you feel me? Like, places like Magic City, places, you know, Atlantic Records. I mean, every everything that's down there, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of black power down there, you feel me? But now, unfortunately, with that comes, you know, sometimes crime. You know, people, especially like, um, especially, like, Atlanta's such a small city that when so many people get money and you used to be in the streets, when you get rich... You know, sometimes the streets don't leave you. You feel me? Sometimes a lot of these rappers, you hear stories about them getting extorted by their own hoods, by their own gangs, literally like, oh, now you're getting money, nigga? Well, you need to give that shit back to the hood or some of it to the hood so we can get guns, so we can get, you know, so we can get our shit up or else you're not going to be allowed back in here and you can't claim this hood and you can't be around. You feel me? Like, so a lot of these people are kind of forced into into being part of a criminal organization, you know, a lot of the, like, a lot, like, it's like 6 9 like, 6 9 was giving hell of, hell of his money to, to Treyway and to the Bloods, that's the whole reason why he even got caught up in the fucking Rico, because they followed the money, and it was all coming from him, so even though he was getting extorted for the money, it was still him that was basically funding the bloods and and that's why the rico charge sticked and he had to fucking snitch because of the money the money is literally the one that's always going to get you caught up that's why rich people that commit crimes or cartel people always the biggest concern is how the fuck are they going to clean the money how can they get the money from the organization to the bank without you know people tracing it or finding out it's, it's them or from the bank to the organization without it getting tracked back to them you feel me so anyway and and this is how this is how much they followed the money young thug is actually um on record they got a name under he got a car rental from hertz under his name that was used in a murder of uh, a few years ago. So that that's actually part of the investigation. So imagine, nigga, you get a car under your name and it's used for a murder. You're probably going to have to speak up for that murder or somebody's going to have to speak up for that shit or you're going down for it if the car's under your name and they track the car down to that crime scene. You feel me? And it seems like this investigation's been going on for a minute. Not only that, they also got Young Thug on... Uh, conspiracy basically he tried to get young lucci or not young lucci his name is yfn lucci he tried to get yfn lucci killed in uh in prison so um because i have you guys i don't know if you guys remember who the fuck yfn lucci is but 
Every time I forget who YFN Lucci is, I remember because there's this meme that said, niggas be scared to moan in their girl's ear, not me. I'll be in my bitch ear like I'm YFN Lucci. And then I remember the little sound he makes, the, uh-huh, uh-huh. I can't even do it right, nigga. I'm sick as fuck, but y'all know what I'm talking about. So anyway, they said that, that Young Thug basically tried to get YFN Lucci knocked off in prison, and that's why Young Lucci just recently got stabbed, and he was basically asking the judge if he can let him out because it wasn't safe for him in there, and all kinds of bullshit, right? All kinds of bullshit. Not to get too much into that, but anyway, so Young Thug is facing those charges. Gunna, I don't really know exactly what charges he's facing. I think that they say that something about a music video and him wearing a specific shirt, that kind of incriminated him in some shit, but I have no idea why he's in there. But anyway, point is that these motherfuckers are just kind of not throwing their career away because some of this shit happened so long ago, but it's just kind of crazy how if you're in the streets and you do blow up out of nowhere, like, the shit doesn't just leave you behind. You know, a lot of people, you know, when you when you hear people release, uh, or not, when you see these articles be released by news outlets, you know, they're like, you know, Young Thug and Gunna caught in a RICO charge. The first comment is always niggas talking about, oh, well, why the fuck are they still in the streets? All that money they're getting and they still doing stupid shit. A lot of the times, bro, it's not a, it's not a choice. You feel me? Like, it's a, lot, a lot of times you got to do that. You feel me? But anyway, who the fuck am I to... To talk about that shit, man. But um, another one of my favorite rappers just got locked up. See, this is what I'm talking about, the fucking ice. I shouldn't have that much fucking ice in my mouth every time I take a swig of coffee from this little-ass fucking hole in the lid. It'd be more ice than coffee coming out that motherfucking hole. <clears throat> 42 Doug just got locked up. 42 Doug, again, is one of my favorites. My nigga Lil Jesse, <laughs> that's my nigga Lil Jesse energy right there. 42 Doug is Lil Jesse. Um, but for 42 Doug was supposed to, 42 Doug is also a felon. By the way, this nigga's four feet tall, but he's 27 years old. And he's also been to jail multiple times. There's a lot of stories about him actually being like that for real. Like I said, not to, not to keep my dick in his mouth, or not to keep his dick in my mouth, but... Supposedly that that nigga really liked that too, right? But point is that this nigga was already a felon. He was not supposed to be around any guns, and he goes to the fucking shooting range, shoots off a gun. The employee turns over the footage to the feds. The feds realize that it's 42 Doug, who's not supposed to be in there. So then he gets charged for violating parole or violating, you know, the felon thing. Like basically he wasn't supposed to be in there shooting, right? Which in my opinion, I feel like the range should be doing background checks, nigga. Like, I don't know. I don't know, right? But anyway, point is that he uh, he, he was supposed to do six months in jail. His lawyer basically got him out of another prison bid for that, and, and, and they kind of settled on going to jail for six months, and it would have been a closed, a closed deal. Well, while this all was getting worked out, COVID hit, and they kept pushing back the time where he was supposed to turn himself in. Eventually, I think 42 Doug just, you know, he got so busy. He was just like, well, fuck that shit. You know, I'll deal with it when I deal with it. And then, you know, fast forward, this nigga gets pulled over. And now the feds 
had picked up the case. So now the feds got him under custody. And when the feds got you under custody, again, we've talked about that before, their conviction rate is almost 100%. So now he's not only is he going to have to be facing those six months, he's probably going to be facing a few years. So, you know, free free, free 42, Doug. Pusheisty finally got sentenced. He got sentenced to five years. Uh, he was facing up to 10 years. He got sentenced to five out of those five He's already served like damn near one, so he's probably gonna do like another year, and he, I'm sure he'll be out within a year or two, top. So free push ice tea. His label dropped a fucking. Uh, it's called certified deluxe because he had already dropped the deluxe. It was the one that had SUVs. Is the one that had that uh, switch it up with Cheer Herbal. That was a decent deluxe because they just dropped a certified deluxe. It was I guess it's something different, which it had decent features on there. It was gonna. He had 42 Doug on there, but obviously this is a fucking deluxe that was put together with a whole bunch of throwaway verses from everybody, not only Pusheisty, but from Big 30, 42 Doug, Push like everybody's verse was trash. The way these songs were mixed is complete garbage, like I couldn't even listen to it, bro, but... Anyway, shout out, shout out to him for putting on music. Now, getting to, to the to the point I wanted to talk about, fucking Rod Waves, fat ass. I've been fucking vouching for this motherfucker my whole career in comedy, my whole career as a podcaster, nigga. I've been vouching for, for Rod Waves, fat ass, and this nigga gets arrested. And on top of that, he gets arrested for domestic violence. Y'all know how I am against how how much I am against the domestic violence, and this fat motherfucker goes and gets arrested for the. I guess he strangled somebody. That's the thing. At first, it wasn't no details on who he strangled. It just said he was in. He got pulled over. He he wasn't even driving. Uh, he got they got pulled over in the car he was in, and and, and and you know when when they ran his name, they realized that he had a warrant and they locked him up, and um and they said that it was for uh. For, I don't even think it said domestic. I think it was just a battery or some shit like that. So I thought it was one of those, like, the baby situations. I was like, maybe this motherfucker just, like, punched a hotel employee or some shit like that. But then, you know, little by little, details started coming out. And I think it was actually a girl or his girl or his baby mama or whatever. So I don't support that fuck shit. You feel me? I don't. You feel me? I don't. It's fucked up, right? It's fucked up. I, I feel like. I always want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, what happened? What did she do, right? I hate to be that nigga, but what did she do? Probably, she probably ate that nigga's leftovers and that nigga fucked her up. I would have done the same fucking thing, bro. Alguien se comió mi torta. Fuck is she talking about, man? Jack Harlow dropped his album, Who Gives a Shit? Not me. <laughs> hey, shout out to you know who I'm gonna give a shout out to. Shout out to Manny Rodriguez, man. Manny Rodriguez was on the podcast. He's my homie from Louisville. He came on here. He came on here during the the, the episode Demon Time when we were talking about demons and duendes and all kinds of scary shit. He he he, he uh, he's from Aurora, but he went to college out in Louisville. And he came and he told us about the Kentucky Derby. That's the first time anybody had ever talked to me about that shit. And he told us how big it was in the town. And I didn't realize how seriously huge this shit was and jack harlow who is from louisville literally released this is how big the kentucky derby is jack harlow released his album the same week of the kentucky derby because he knew that was going to be a big fucking week from kentucky for kentucky or whatever which i feel like that was pretty cool you know of him to do like he still shows love and respect to his hometown he takes pride and uh you know and so 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 shout out to him but man manny rodriguez 
Take Jack Harlow's dick out your mouth, bro. This nigga been tweeting nothing but Jack Harlow lyrics on my timeline, bro. And you know how I know it's Jack Harlow lyrics? Because them bitches be bland as fuck, boy. Nah, I'm just kidding. Shout out. Congrats to, congrats to Jack Harlow, man. I, I, uh, I'm I, not a fan of him. Like, I don't be playing this shit just like, hell yeah, this shit's hard. But he does have that one voice. He he has like that voice where it's kind of not not to compare it to Mac Miller. I know y'all Mac Miller fans going to get y'all fucking panties in a bunch. But Mac Miller had that voice that was kind of like... Like, it's very soothing voice, you know, where if I'm doing something, I'm working on something, and I want to hear something, like, just kind of that's not too hard, but it's also not too soft. Like, I don't want to put on Brent Fias or The Weeknd, but I also don't want to put on Push Ice-T or ESTG. So you kind of put something like Harlow, like Mac, you know, just something to, to be able to vibe out to, you feel me? And I feel like that's the type of music that Harlow does. So I don't know. I feel whatever, man, whatever. We'll see, we'll, we'll see what... What, what, what happens after that. But this is the last thing I want to talk about in music. And I feel like this this is a, something that makes me real happy because uh, I, I was real, like I said, I've, I was always influenced by the Chief Keef era. I have, I still to this day have 300 in my name on Instagram. I also have it on TikTok as well. It's my, my both of my handles are Ken Flores 300 and the one and only inspiration for the 300 is Chief Keef. Chief Keef and obviously the Lamron movement, you know, is Lil Durk, um, Reese, Fredo. I mean, all, all the original BDs, all the original, you know what I'm saying? Like when this shit was a, a Glory Boys, not Glow Gang. Like I, I was really fucking with all that shit um, early on. And uh, one of the people that came up with Chief Keef was Lil Durk, you know? And those of you guys that know, like that followed their relationship closely, it was never like, it was never like perfect. Like they kind of had animosity towards each other just because they were both coming up as rappers. And kind of Chief Keef was obviously, you know, the 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 face of the drill. But Lil Durk was was right there with him. Like Lil Durk dropped the L's up, the L's anthem. You know, L's up for my hit. That shit was a banger. And then after that, Lil Durk dropped "This Ain't What You Want," which is. An absolute fucking classic, you know. He had one of those Jeep SRT8s in the video, you know, one of the first times that I saw it actually be like, you know, promoted, you know, like, you know, that, like they really, the ones that put niggas on Jeep SRT8s, I don't give a fuck what you say. But anyway, um, yeah, Lil Durk was up there, bro. Lil Durk was, 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 was coming up, and then he also dropped Sign to the Streets, which obviously was a fucking banger. I used to listen to that mixtape front to back, you know, and uh, I listened to that one probably more than I was listening to Chiefs tapes at the time because that Sign to the Streets 1 and 2 were both bangers, but that number one, man, that that, that, that one song where, where, I don't know, I don't even know what, what the fuck it's called, where he's like, hello, Fredo and Rision. I don't know, I don't know. There's a few there. I don't even remember the name, but there's, I don't know, bro. I used to fuck with that shit heavy as fuck. But anyway, point is, fast forward, you know, obviously, times change. Music, you know, like music comes and goes. You could be at top one day. You could be right at the bottom the next day. And um, Glory, uh, Chief Keith signs to Interscope. Lil Durk signs to Def Jam. They go their separate ways. You know, Chief Keef goes extremely mainstream, blows up to a next level, basically solidifies himself as a legend. You feel me? Like, Chief Keef is a legend. I don't care if you think he fell off now or not. This motherfucker will be good in everyone's book for the rest of his life. Like, 
Everybody loves Chief Keef. Everybody, like everybody, he, all the new rappers that are coming up, Chief Keef is the biggest influence in their life. I can guarantee you that. Everybody, I've never seen a, I've never seen a new up and coming rapper not respect Chief Keef. Everybody does. But watch, you know, while Chief Keef was kind of more of a downward, you know, he was kind of twining down on the shit he was putting out. Lil Durk never fucking let up. He kept putting out tapes. He kept putting out singles. He kept putting out tracks. He was always collaborating, always working with people. He was working with, uh, you know, uh, Dej Loaf real close for a while. I remember, they people were talking about how they were dating and all kinds of shit. Like he, he was, he was, he was kind of. He always like was consistent, but when he, he kind of really, really leaned into the whole auto tune shit, where he kind of became a singer more than anything, it was getting real boring. And I feel like his. He was really kind of starting to fall off at that point in his career. Once he once he kind of started overdoing it with the with the with the fucking, you know what I'm saying with the fucking bullshit as auto tune, and then he drops this song with God with uh, he drops this mixtape and then he drops this song with Gunna that homebody song you know that homebody song is he's still singing singing that song, but just him linking up with Gunna. Was big because Gunna's already now at this point Gunna's up and coming rapper. He's he's kind of putting up hits on the board and he's you know he's kind of he's kind of he's getting better you know and he he hit Lil Durk had been in the game so long that he built so many relationships with so so many of these rappers that they they made so many fucking like throwaway songs that you probably haven't even heard. But it all came back and helped them because when these rappers started to take off, people like Nav, people like Gunna. They they were still putting Dirk on 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 their tapes, you know, because they were like, oh well, when I was coming up, Dirk gave me a feature, so now I'm I'm like I'm up, I'm gonna give Dirk that feature back. So Dirk started getting put on 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 newer songs, on hotter songs, you know. He got put on that remix called uh, with with Ji the Prince and um and Nav. Fuck, what is that song called? I think it's called No Pain. Where he's yeah, I, th- I think it's called No Pain. Uh. Or No Pain Part 2, maybe, where it's Nav, Lil Durk, and J.I. the Prince. Anyway, I feel like Lil Durk had a dope-ass verse on there. And then after that, um, Lil Durk obviously drops uh, No Auto, which went crazy. Because now, this is the first time we hear Lil Durk rapping kind of without that bullshit-ass auto-tune. And then he and when that when that came out, that shit he started going crazy. Like people were like, "Okay, Loki, we can fuck with this new Durk. And then he drops Hellcats and Trackhawks, which is, boom, fucking completely shuts shit down people are now now the drill movement is kind of starting to come back you feel me we got rappers coming up from memphis you know like we talked about uh we got rappers coming up from new york like the drill scene is kind of starting to pick back up and Lil dirk this is what he loves to do so he starts putting out he starts again starts putting out music starts putting out music eventually he he, he gets this fucking drake feature he gets this Drake feature, cry, crying, uh, crazy, cry, laugh now, cry later. Gets the feature, and Lil Durk absolutely goes bonkers. At this point, Lil Durk was beefing with Six Nine still, so so uh, they kind of, you know, that was kind of keeping Durk a little bit hot. But once Six Nine went to went to jail, is right around the time that Lil Durk gets on this song, and Drake completely, like, completely, like, changes that man's life, bro. Because uh, at this point, you're fucking. Um, if you're, because most of the time Drake, like for example, Drake put on, uh, what's that that one that that one rapper from Memphis, Black Boy JB, with the one that did the shoot dance shoot shoot. Well, anyway, 
the, Drake dropped that fucking song with that kid, and that kid had no backlog, had no older music, so people couldn't even go back and, like, if they liked that song, they couldn't even go do homework on that artist, because that artist didn't have shit out yet, because he was new, and then once he finally dropped, he fucking flopped, because people didn't give a shit about that shit anymore. Opposed to when Lil Durk dropped, Lil Durk has 10 years of catalog of music that if you like him, you can go back and listen to. So as soon as Drake put him on this song, Lil Durk has basically just has a freeway of fans going to all his streaming platforms, grabbing all his tapes, start streaming all his shit. So basically within like two or three months, Dirk becomes one of the biggest rappers in the game because of this Drake collaboration. And not only that, but because he's got the work to back it up. So now everybody's fucking with Dirk, you know what I'm saying? Not only that, but now he's fucking uh, beefing with NBA Youngboy. You know, King Von gets killed, which obviously is tragic, but you cannot lie, this also helps Dirk career because now all eyes are on Dirk you know they're now they're already fucking with you because you got the Drake feature you got all these you got all these people on your channel now they kill your man so now they want to see if you're really about that life right so 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 it kind of this little this fucking you know this this I guess this drill rapper completely turned mainstream overnight basically and then on top of that he collabs with the biggest rapper in the game Lil Baby Lil Baby, they they drop a, a album together. They go on tour together. They're doing fucking arenas together. So he literally became one of the biggest rappers in the game. It seems like it happened overnight, but it's just for the people that are from Chicago, the niggas that were literally listening to all of Dirk's, even his bad tapes, Dirk and Dej, Dirk and Dej, <laughs> all that bullshit. Dirk and Dej, Dej and Lover. What is it called? Yeah, it's Dirk and Dej, Dirk and Dej. Like all that, everybody that listens to all that bullshit, you, you you know what I'm saying? Like, all his work paid off. And then, of course, he drops Back in Blood with Pooh Shiesty. Like, it's like he couldn't miss. Like, this whole year, 2021, 2020, like, literally was dropping banger after banger after banger. And all this to say, the a lot of these Chicago rappers are banned from from uh, from performing in Chicago because if you're a Chicago rapper, you're probably going to perform at a place like House of Blues, at a place like Aragon Ballroom maybe as, as, like, a bigger venue. But no Chicago drill rapper, not even Chief Keef, <clears throat> had ever done a big show at, a, at the United Center, bro. And when Lil Durk announced this show at the United Center, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I thought it was going to be like a festival. Like, I thought it was going to be like one of those WGCI Big Jam things. I was like, oh, they're probably going to have him headline and he's going to call it his show, which is not which I thought that's what it was going to be, and I didn't even pay attention. I didn't even look at tickets because I was so sure that's what it was going to be. And come to find out, bro, it was actually his solo show. Like, he sold that motherfucker out, the United Center, the biggest arena in Chicago. He sold that motherfucker out by himself. Literally didn't promote anybody else on the tour. He brought out G Herbo. He brought out um, Cowboy. He brought out Katie Got Bands. Shout out to the people that were there. But um, he literally did that by himself, bro. And just to see a rapper like, like this nigga, bro, Lil Durk's Lil baby mama lives in Naperville, nigga. People, you know, his first BM, not India, but anyway, like literally, like I got people that got pictures with of themselves with Little Dirk walking around Fox Valley Mall. Like, this nigga Little Dirk is by himself walking around Fox Valley Mall right here up the street from my crib. 
and now he's one of the biggest rappers in the game, you know? Like, it makes me happy because it's like, damn, like, it kind of motivates you, like, even though, like, you feel like you're falling off, even though you feel like you're not as hot as it used to be, if you keep putting in that work, if you keep putting in those fucking, you know what I'm saying? You could... You, you can only you can fake the funk all you want, but you're, if you're actually putting that work, you will eventually see the results. And what there's that one quote that says, "People don't fail; they just give up too soon." And Lil Durk literally kept fucking kept doing it, kept grinding. And I feel like it should be used as motivation for all of us. This nigga, you know, his his it, it paid off, man. It paid off, and 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 now he's really in the game like that, bro. And um. And yeah, man. Uh, I uh, yeah, man. But uh, yeah, I, I was real happy to see Lil Dirk, you know, accomplish accomplish something like that. You feel me? Uh, anyway, before I get the fuck out of here, I feel like all I talked about was music. But I really give a shit about music. Like, I don't know. I'm really interested in shit like that, bro. But I I, I literally have to hurry up because I got to go to fucking work. Um, and I feel like I still gotta talk about a few different shit. Fuck it, I'll talk about it. So. All right, I'm gonna talk about these these little this little comedy my little comedy run I had. I'll try to knock it out in ten minutes, and then I'm going to work. Um, so the people that came to Latin XL, thank you so much. I know that my voice was fucked up, and I'll tell you guys what happened. So the the night before Latin XL, Latin XL was April 24th. So the night before that would have been April 23rd. It was a Saturday. I had one show. It was a show at um at a church. It was a private gig at 7 p.m. We go to the private gig, and um, I do the fucking show. They put me up first, and I fucking kill, bro. It's a church, but 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 they're fucking with me, bro. The bartender of the church, yes, bartender at a church. The bartender, he said he recognized me from TikTok, so, like, already my day was going great. I go on stage, I fucking murder, nigga. I'm feeling like... I feel like I'm feeling hot, right? So I'm like, dude, I need to do another set. I want to do some more stand-up comedy. So I tell my homie JV, I'm like, let's go to the Laugh Factory and, you know, let's hang out and maybe they'll give me a little spot. So we go all the way up to the Laugh Factory, right? We walk in and I'm, there's nobody. It's not really as busy as I thought it was going to be. It's packed in the showroom, but, like, it's not busy as far as, like, just comedians that are not on the show hanging out. You feel me? Because a lot of times if you go to Laugh Factory, there's like nine or eight comedians on a Friday or Saturday night that are not on the show. They're just hanging around waiting for them to say, oh, you know what? Somebody didn't show up. Can anybody go up for them? And then they're basically right there. Like, it's like a fucking Mexican at a Home Depot parking lot. You feel me? Like, they'd be ready to work, bro. Anyway, I show up to the Laugh Factory, and I ask one of the homies, I'm like, hey, man, you know, what's it looking like tonight? You know, I was wondering if I could get on a spot. And the homie, the manager that was actually working that night, I had told him I was going to give him a spot on my show the next day at Latin XL. So he's like, what's up, bro? You still got me with a spot tomorrow on your show? And I was like, hell yeah, bro. I was like, do you got me on a show, on a spot tonight? And he kind of looks at his other manager and, and they kind of like start talking, whisper amongst themselves. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. We got you. So they put me on their 9 p.m. show, bro, which was hosted by Felanius Monk, who's basically, he's on TV. He's on this character. He's a, He plays a character on CBS called... I don't, I don't know what, the, they're like, basically people on TV that are that are there on Fridays and Saturday nights, you feel me? They got people with a name, verified Instagram accounts and shit, and then my dumbass, you feel me? So they ended up telling me yes, so then I go up, bro, they put me up for five minutes, I swear to God, on my mom's life. In those five minutes, bro, I fucking erupted that place, bro. It, like, I shredded that motherfucker. People were dying 
fucking laughing, bro. I killed so hard that when I got off stage, there was another show at 11 p.m. There was a, a show at 7, a show at 9, and then another one at 11. At 7, I wasn't there because I was at the church. But then I did the 9. They fuck with me so hard. They were like, you know what, nigga? Stay for the 11. We need to put you up, too. And I was like, bet. In between shows, while I'm waiting for those two shows, I go outside to take a picture of like the, you know, I like to put the shit on my stories because at the end of the day, I'm going to look back one of the, I don't give a shit about y'all. One day, I'm going to look back at all my memories. I'm going to be like, damn, that sh- I remember that night. I remember on my Snapchat memories, my Facebook memories, you feel me? So anyway, I, I, I like to take pictures. I like to post them, whatever. So I went outside to take a picture of like the sign. As soon as I go outside, bro, all the people from the last show are still, you know, either waiting for Ubers, hanging out, talking amongst themselves. As soon as I step outside, people are like, oh, shit, you were fucking hilarious. They were like, oh, you were, you were, um, you were our favorite. And, and for me to not even be part of the show and to be somebody's favorite, specifically when, you know, other comedians were getting 10 minutes 12 minutes and I was on and I was only getting five and in those five minutes I was able to become their favorite you know like it was like I felt like the shit you feel me and I was I was like damn that feels good and then the the 11 p.m show starts and when the 11 p.m show starts it was the nasty show so everybody goes up and starts doing like sex stories sex jokes and then I go up and I'm like I ain't gonna lie to y'all everybody came up here and did their sex stories but that's just kind of hard to do when you don't get no pussy so here goes some fat jokes, and the crowd lost it, and I ended up just doing my set, killing again, bro, and it was one of the best feelings, like, in my life, bro. That night of comedy was probably one of the best nights of my life in comedy, like, I couldn't even fucking sleep that night of how happy I was, but anyway, when I'm leaving, when I'm leaving the Laugh Factory, now it's, 11, now it's about to be, now it's like midnight, right? It's like midnight, my homie JV parked far as shit, like 10 blocks away, but it's all good because I'm like, all right, just whatever. I don't even mind walking. I just had two of the best sets of my life, or three of the best sets of my life, if you include the church. And, 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 and I'm just, I had a fattest smile on my face that nobody could wipe out. Like, I was so happy. And then I, I and I was even more happy that I knew I, had, I, I was able to come back the next day and do it all over again because the next day was Latin XL. So then the next, <coughs> so I come home, right? I come home, I'm, I don't even want to drink. I'm like, fuck that, I'm sober. I don't even want to drink because I'm so fucking high off just this whole comedy set. And um, so I was like, fuck it. So I ended up knocking out, bro. But I didn't realize that I was so hot leaving from the Laugh Factory. Like, just because I did two hot sets, you know, like my body's hot. I'm sweating. Like, I, like you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm hot, I'm hot. I walk outside and the the wind hits me, bro. And I didn't realize, but I'm speed walking. You know, we walk forever. Then it starts to drizzle on me. Bro, I got sick. So the next day I wake up on Sunday and I'm like, damn, my throat feels dry as fuck. Like if I had drank all night. I go and I get a cup of water. I drink it and I'm like, fuck, why do I feel like this? And I try to talk. And when I go to talk, nigga, I had no voice. Like I could not talk at all. I didn't feel like shit. I didn't feel bad at all. It was just my voice was completely gone. And I was nervous and scared because I'm like, bro, I have a fucking, I have a show tonight that I have to host. So I have to be up there not only at the beginning, but throughout the whole show and at the end as well, you know? And I was scared, so, but I didn't even think nothing of it. You know, my homie JV, he's, he had like a tea here. So I drank a tea and I'm just like not even trying to talk to nobody all day. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to save my voice for tonight. I don't even say shit to nobody. I go to the Laugh Factory. More people than ever had came to Latinx show show up and, um, uh, 
and, and, you know, we start the show. My homie Renee's there. I'm there. I go on stage. I'm hosting. As soon as I grab the mic, I'm like, what's up, y'all? Nigga, my fucking voice cracked. I'm like, what's up? Nigga, I could not talk. At that point, I'm already having the mic in my hand. Nigga, I'm not finna get off stage. Like, can you do this instead? So I'm like, I got to push through. So I'm like, I kill the elephant in the room right away. I'm like, I know y'all, I know that my voice fucked up. I apologize. I thought it was going to be better. But anyway, we do the show. The show goes great. Oh, my bad. So thank you to everybody that came out. But it, it just went completely amazing. And then... um. After that, I was like, okay, I get a little bit of a break. I had no shows after that. So I didn't do no shows. And then on Thursday, I had that meeting with the with the people that I'm telling you were, were doing that movie. Don't think I forgot, bro. I, I did not forget. We're doing that movie. So they finally hit me up. They're like, yo, we need you to come in and read some lines. So I actually got off work early that day. We went all the way to Chicago. We read some, I read some lines with them, bro. And uh, I was since I was out there in Chicago, I was like, well, I'm going to hit up the Laugh Factory. Let's see if they give me a quick spot. Nigga, I hit up the Laugh Factory. And they were like, hell yeah, come through. That's how good I did that that day. They, they let me on the fucking show, bro. I fucking did the Thursday night show. And my voice was still fucked up, bro. It, it went, it went, the set went good. It, you know what I'm saying? But the set, but you know how inside, you know, you could do better. So like when my voice not there all the way, like I don't know, I just didn't feel good. And it kind of made me real nervous, bro. Like, cause I'm like, bro, I didn't realize like how much I needed my voice to do what I do, which is obvious, right? I do a podcast, I do stand-up, but you kind of you take shit for granted. And then, uh, like, n- when I, now that I'm, now that I, I didn't have a voice, I was like, wow, I, dude, I, like, honestly, like, after doing my set on Sunday and then another one on Thursday, where both, I knew that my voice was fucked, I kind of wanted to damn near cry into my pillow that night, bro, because I'm like, fuck, like, I just want to give it my all, like, I want to give it 100%, or 110%, and I know I can't do that if my voice is not all the way there because I cannot get into my bits as as much as I want to. You know, I, sometimes certain bits, certain jokes uh, take me having a higher pitched voice or whatever to make them as funny or funnier. And when I when I can't get my voice to that volume or to that tone, it does fuck with the joke a little bit, and I did not like that at all. So I was just ready to get back into my my you know my full self i was ready for recovery but anyway so that was the last thing i did on thursday i did the movie thing and then i didn't have no shows that weekend but monday i had a fucking uh monday was uh i i had a competition show at zany's in chicago bro and i was kind of nervous because it was my first show back after my voice was fucked up but i was like fuck it i got this i was feeling a little bit better i could actually talk a little bit now i went on stage bro i ended up actually taking the w i got i i won the comp it was a it was a comedy competition i won the comedy competition so i moved on to the finals which will be next monday on the 20 or on the i don't know what day but they're next monday so that was really good and then i got booked for the laugh factory friday this past week that just happened bro and just a quick fun story before i get out of here I had, you know, Instagram reels are so dope to me because that it's like a TikTok. When you put a reel out, they kind of get into this algorithm. And for the person that's down a rabbit hole or down the or down the just watching a whole bunch of reels at work or in bed or whatever, they can come across your shit even if they don't follow you, you know, because the algorithm. 
and uh, you know the whatever hashtags you use or whatever. So I've been putting a lot of Instagram reels on. Everything that I put on TikTok goes on my Instagram reels too. So I've been putting a lot of different shit on there. I just posted this clip of me and Gabriel, this other Gabriel, not my nigga Gabe, but we did a roast. I did my first ever roast competition. I fucking smoked that nigga. Go check out those reels on my Instagram. And then after that, um, just been putting out all kinds of different clips, right? And point is that one of my childhood friends found my fucking Instagram, bro. And they fucking, um, they found it and they DM'd me and they were like, bro, like, it's been so many years, like, I'm happy to see that you made it. Like, this nigga thought that I made it, bro. I'm like, nigga, I have not made it. But, you know, like I said, when, when, when you don't, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, so he hit me up, right, and and, uh, and uh, we caught up, right, we were talking. And I was like, bro, I'll hook you up with tickets to, to my next show. Let me know. And he's like, bet. And uh, I kind of left him on red because I was, because, you know, you kind of just say that shit to people, but people never really come check you out. But he hit me up. He's like, bro, so when's the next show? Like, I want to go for real. And I was like, all right, fuck it. It's at fr- on Friday, this past Friday. It was at the Laugh Factory at 9 p.m. And I knew it was going to be a good show because, again, those Friday, 9 p.m., 7, anytime, anything on Friday or Saturday at Laugh Factory is going to be jam-packed. So I was like, he's going to get to catch a good show. And I, sure enough, I hooked him and his date up with tickets. He came to see me on Friday. I go on stage on Friday and completely fucking murder, bro. And my voice is still not back 100%, but it was back where it was, I could get, I could actually do the jokes the right way. And it was just such a good feeling, like seeing my childhood best friend enjoy my set, you know, and me to be able to do that shit, like on a Friday night, you know, it's like, damn, like I used to like, really dream about shit like that, like, being able to be at the Laugh Factory on a sold-out Friday night and and becoming the people's favorite of that night or whatever, you know, it was just, I don't know, bro, like, comedy's really been going really, really fucking good right now, and, um, and I'm thankful for you guys' support, and I'm thankful for the journey, I'm thankful for everything that comes with it, you know, sometimes, you know, we can't record podcast episodes on time, sometimes I, I wish I could push it out before, you know, uh, I, you know, faster than I wanted to, but you know, shit, it's it, it just hard, bro. You can't do everything. I work a full time job. I fucking, you know, what I'm saying, do the stand up shit, and and it's just, it's tired. It gets tiring, bro. Like it's not as easy as you think to turn a fucking mic on and just talk for an hour, even though it does sound easy. It is not. I promise you that. And for you niggas that do podcasts, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That shit is not easy. That's why niggas skip weeks and shit like that because. It's shit, it's hard. <laughs> but anyway, point is, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting me on on all my on all my shows and shit, man. I, uh, I, I yeah, man, I'm I'm really happy where this shit is going, and uh, and and I feel like damn, the fucking work that 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 we've been putting in is starting to fucking show out, show 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 out, you know, and show up. But 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 we're not stopping now. I'm on my little Dirk mode. Like I'm not gonna stop until I'm. Selling out the United Center type shit, nigga. Like, if Lil Durk can do it, you feel me? Like, we can all do it. Like, he's they're from Chicago, real trenches, nigga. Like, like you know, or from the suburbs, but still, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, sh- that should be used as motivation, nigga. Like, you feel me? But anyway, uh, speaking about motivation, I actually, uh, there's a comedian coming in from L.A. this Thursday. His name is Rene Vaca. You look him up on Instagram. He's, he's an L.A. comic. One of the one of the LA's best right now is a Latino comedian, but he's not like a George Lopez type of comedian. He's more like he has his own voice. He's really good, real funny. Um, he's coming to the Laugh Factory uh, May twelfth, and I asked if if they would let me open up for him because I've been keeping up with his shit. And he's just he's just like a fool, you know. He's a young fool from LA, funny as fuck, and, and now he's got a big he's got a name for himself. So he's kind of been touring. So. I was I was waiting to see when he would come to to Chicago so I could buy a ticket to go see him, 
But since he's coming to the Laugh Factory, I figured, well, since I work closely with them, how about I, instead of not only a free ticket, but how about I ask if they let me open up for him? And I talked to the manager, and he said that basically he was going to pull a few strings for me so to just show up. So it's looking like, you know, pretty much he's going to give me this chance to open up for, for Rene Vaca, man, and it's going to be a blessing, you know? And I feel like it all comes down to me being able to, when I got put on those shows last minute and being able to kill it at 9 p.m., at 11 p.m., and then doing my own show with no voice and then coming back with no voice again and then doing another show on the Friday and kill, like all those shows kind of led up to this moment for them allowing me to do this. And, you know, I was sick as fuck. My voice was gone, but I feel like it was all worth it. You know, real blood and sweat and tears into this shit for real, for real, bro. Like, because this should be stressful sometimes. But anyway, um, so I'll be doing that. And then last few things I just want to say. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I promise. Uh, last few things I want to say is, number one, um, Latin XL, I fucked up. I said it was going to be May 22nd last time I was here. It's not. Latin XL this month is going to be on Memorial Day weekend. No vaccination cards required. So if you want to come to a show at the Laugh Factory, it's going to be Memorial Day weekend Sunday at 8 p.m. Nobody works the next day. Let's get fucked up. Let's kick it. Let's do whatever. Let's let let's not get fucked up, but let's hang out. Let's let's you feel me? Come through. I'm telling you, if you haven't been to the Laugh Factory, this is one that you do not want to miss. If you've been to the Laugh Factory, you know that all the Latin XLs have been fucking fun. Come through. For those of you guys that know, use promo code LATINXL when you reserve tickets. Only do it if you're going to come for real. Do not reserve tickets if you're not sure because then you're going to take a spot away from somebody who does want to come. So if you want to come, you sure you want to come, go reserve your tickets using promo code LATINXL, all lowercase. You will get complimentary tickets. If you want to buy tickets, buy the fucking tickets. And we'll see you guys there Memorial Day weekend Sunday. And and I was actually going to do my first few road gigs Memorial Day weekend. I had a trip planned to St. Louis to do some road gigs with a few comedians. Unfortunately, I had to, since the Laugh Factory swapped my date with Latin XL, it was supposed to be on the 22nd, but now it's Memorial Day weekend. Since they swapped my date, uh, I had to cancel my road gigs, but it's all good. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'd rather have a show at the Laugh Factory anyway in Chicago because people from St. Louis moved to Chicago to become successful in Chicago. So if I'm already doing shit in Chicago, why the fuck would I go to St. Louis? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, I'm excited for that. Uh, May 29th, Laugh Factory, Latin XL, no Vax card required. And then for those of you guys, I know some of you guys have been waiting for this announcement. For those of you guys that don't want to go all the way to Chicago, I will be headlining. I am back downtown aurora at the copley theater for those of you guys that remember that was probably one of my first headlining gigs in the town it was at the copley theater in aurora before they remodeled it across the street from uh, the paramount theater right there on galena downtown it's a small theater um i sold it out last time tickets were only ten dollars though this time tickets are going to be about 22 23 dollars i am not in charge of the production of the of the show but i am going to be headlining the show i'm doing 30 minutes Plus, some new material, some old material. I'm kind of trying to record this event 
I might be putting this out as something special. I can't confirm yet because I don't know. But but it's going to be on July 14th. I'm back at the Copley Theater. I want this to be the biggest event in Aurora this summer as far as, you know, me doing something here. And and it would mean the world to me if you guys support. Um, I'm going to have the, the guys from Daily Insomnia are actually the ones that are behind the production of this. So if you guys listen to that podcast in Daily Insomnia, it's going to be those guys. And I'm bringing out some of my favorite comedians, the homie Luis Arevalo. You guys know him with the, with the, with the stutter. I'm bringing out my homie Jamal Gishon, you know, one of the best comedians in Chicago. You guys saw him at the Latinx Hill if you were there. I mean, it's going to be a banger show. So I'm going to need y'all to show off for me, Aurora. Other than that, I feel like that I covered everything I had to talk about. It's already 1043. I'm supposed to be at work at 11 a.m. I'm about to be fucking late as shit. But anyway, all for the love of the game, right? If you guys enjoyed this episode, fucking let me know. I feel like I just wasted all my energy into this shit. And it's not even good, but <laughs> whatever, man. I'm fucking tired. Appreciate y'all, man. Y'all have a good one. Thank you guys for everything. Bye-bye.